Over the last uh, couple of years, I think Pastor Kevin has been here five times, five or six times. And I've known Kevin. I first met him maybe 25 years ago or something like that, uh, quite a while ago. But really over about the last six years, I've gotten to know him much better. And I consider him a, a good friend and a mentor and someone who has a heart for Canada and for this region, I know he does, and stands firm and stands strong. And I want to just say one thing about him. I've, I know when he first came, I told you what an outstanding preacher he is. And when he was finished, I said, I told you so. Because he's outstanding at bringing the word of God. But uh, you know another thing about him that probably few would get to see on a regular basis is that uh, sometimes when you hear someone praying, you hear kind of what's, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when I hear Pastor Kevin pray, there's a very real element. He's not flowering things up. He ta- and I've seen him in different settings praying where he's talking to the father that he knows, not just the God who can get things done, but to his Abba, to his Father, his, his, his Heavenly Father. And there's something glorious about that because we want to be people who are like that, amen? We want to know God. We don't want to just have someone who knows all about him. We want to know him. And so I pray, Father, you would anoint mm. Pastor Kevin mm. tonight as he comes to speak, and you would anoint us, enable us, to receive, to hear the word that it would be written on our hearts and would change our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're fans of each other. Thank you for that <laughs> kind and, and gracious and very generous, uh, those generous words. I can turn this a little bit, can I? That'll be okay. I won't mess things up. You know, I, I listened to you. First of all, I just loved the buzz that was going on and all the energy in the Lord that was happening before the service with all of you, and then the, the worship, so wonderful. I'm, I'm so excited to see so many young adults. I mean, it seems like your young adult crowd is, is growing, and that, that just thrills my heart. I'm always blessed to be here, Pastor John and Rose. Thank you so much. It's always an honor to be here with you. Um, you know, just listening to you and, and sharing, it's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't say anything else. Just get preaching. But, oh, my goodness, I, I've just finished a 21-day fast, so I'm eating like crazy right now. <laughs> but I felt like the Lord gave me an assignment, and I was careful not, to, not really to share the assignment with hardly anyone. But I felt like uh, the church that my wife and I attend when I'm home uh, in Bellingham, Washington, has been really under attack. And I felt like the Lord called me to go to the church every day to pray around the church. And uh, other than the two days, uh, the weekend that I was away speaking in Calgary, in fact, when I was in Calgary, I Zoomed with somebody to pray for the church. But other than that, I made it to the church 18 times in 21 days. And I, you know, you know what? I, that could sound, you know, like, why are you telling us this? And why, you know, are you just bragging on yourself or whatever? 
I'm telling you to encourage your hearts that prayer is it's such a vital thing. I'm so encouraged that you're starting up a prayer meeting. And I know, I, I know, I mean, our connection really came through prayer. This, the best things in my life come through prayer. I've hired staff people out of prayer meetings more than anything else over the years. I just got invited to, I think I've told you, I've just been invited to come to the island of Malta. To, to speak on behalf of Frida Care, but it was out of a prayer meeting and, and a, a global prayer watch uh, that I'm on uh, once a month. Anyhow, hey, I'm excited to come and talk to you about, we're going to talk about promises tonight. Amen. Amen? Amen? Oh man, I love to talk about promises, but when we, th- when we start to think about promises, let's think a little bit about what are some of the things we make promises about? What do we promise to do? Okay, obey God. We, we make a lot of promises. We make a promise that we're gonna, we'll be home in, in 10 minutes, right? Promise to call you, promise to write you, promise to come, right? Promise to be home. <laughs> My wife does that a lot. <laughs> and so do I, but <laughs> I'll be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, you know what I can tell you, the truth about promises? You've made them and I've made them, and we've both broken them, haven't we? There isn't one of us that hasn't broken a promise. As much as it's important that we want to keep them, we're human beings. And regardless of how hard we try, we break promises at times, to our own demise even, right? To our own, to our own hurt. But, but as uh, so beautifully you sang that song, he doesn't fail. And really that, that thought and that concept is tied into his promises. What he promises he's going to do. Now the challenge is some of us, you know, we're thinking in, in, in a point-specific moment and we can go, well, I don't really feel like he came through on that one. And if you do that, you're going to get yourself in trouble because the promises of God are broader than that most of the time. Don't don't ever think because something in the moment didn't come through that somehow God failed you. It's easy to do that because when he gives a promise, it's going to be far more encompassing in your life. And then you're going to turn around again. Part of the thing that Uncle Kevin brings is the fact that once I was young, and now I'm old. Hey, I can go there. Now I'm old. And I've been able to see it. I've been able to see the faithfulness of God. And that's why I come back around to your pastor when he's encouraging you to give. God doesn't need your, your money. But you need, you, the issue is, this is one of the best ways he teaches you and I how not to be greedy. I am so greedy, and I've been killing greed by giving. It's one of the ways that I die to my own greed. And I just tithed before I came here. I I sat down this afternoon and, and wrote out my tithe to my church. And you know what? I can tell you, when I look back now at my life financially, it's like, God, what have you done? Like the blessing in my life is ridiculous. 
uh, financially. Anyhow, I want to talk to you, you know, when, when we, we came into the year, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, we need to hold on to God's promises, yeah. right? And so I sat down and I wrote this message out at, at the uh, very end of last year. I gave it on the very last, I think the very last, yeah, the 31st, uh, December the 31st. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a favorite church of mine down in Southern California. This is a favorite church of mine in BC right here. And uh, so I, I, the, the title was Five Things Jesus Promises You in 2024. Things that every single one of you can hold on to. I know that some of us go, hey, you know, these promises, were they, are they meant for us? Or were they meant for the Jews? Are they meant for the early Christians? Who were they meant for? Well, if, that, if you ever wrestle with that, let me give you this from 2 Corinthians 1.20. Because the, the apostle actually answers this question for us. He says, for, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes and amen in Christ. So if you're in Christ, the promises are yours. The only issue is you got to actually claim them. You got to actually hold on to them. You got to actually say, hey, God, you said. Is that a right to do? Of course it is. God, you said, and I'm holding on to this. Amen? And so through him, the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. So I want to give you five promises. The first one, so I sat down, you know, and as I'm thinking and praying through it and thinking, man, what? there are so many fabulous promises. If I had to nail it down to five, right, because I'm going to be out of time. You know what the biggest problem for me is? Is that time goes too fast for me. It goes, doesn't go fast enough for you, but it goes too fast for me. And so I, I try to nail it down. The first promise I want to give you for 2024 is the promise actually of eternal life. You know what? At the, at, at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day, if we don't have this promise, we don't have anything. If God didn't promise eternal life, what hope do we have? What reason do we have? What purpose do we have? Why, why would we even want to go on in a world like today if we didn't have the promise of eternal life in Christ Jesus? Amen? What a powerful promise. And it comes back to this really special verse in the heart of the gospel of John. The heart of the gospels comes back to this. And this is where you and I, as believers in Christ, different than any other religion, it is focused on God's love. Yes. Amen? Amen? Eternal life is focused on God's love for his creation. And, and then we have this beautiful verse. Let's quote it together. For God so loved... You're reading it. You're reading it. Why are you reading it? You're, we're quoting it. <laughs> you can read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one only son or one and only son, depending on the translation, that's a problem, that whosoever believes on him will not perish or shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? What a powerful, beautiful word. Have any of you ever tried to fake salvation? Yeah, there's an honest person. Do you know that there are people that try to fake salvation? There was a time when, when I was in grade eight. 
19, uh, what would it have been, 1969, 1970, I think that's the year for me, grade eight, the, the school year is ending. We're having a picture with everybody in the junior, we call it middle school there, and everybody in the middle school. I'm on the front row. Now, remember, I am not a Christian. Well, you're not going to remember, but I'm telling you right now, I'm not a Christian. I haven't been raised a Christian. I am really actually a rotten kid, full of the, full of the devil, frankly, I'm sitting on the front row, and I make gestures with these two hands in the picture. I'll leave it to your imagination. (laughs) Now, you can't come up with an excuse for that. It's in the picture. I had been suspended from school more than one time that year, but this time I was expelled. You are not coming back. You are done. You are finished. You will not graduate with the class. Oh, we will graduate you because we don't want you here, but you're not graduating with the class. Guess what? I knew I was in lots of trouble. I knew my mom was going to be real mad. And there was only one thing I could think to do that might calm the water. I faked salvation. (laughs) I told my mom, I'm giving my life to Jesus. With my fingers crossed behind my back, right? But you know what? Jesus, he knows what's going on. That wasn't the first time that I played this little game. He actually hears us. He actually hears us when we swear to God we're going to get things right. I swear to God, 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 swear to you, he actually hears. And even if you're faking it, He still cares about you, and he's going to pull you in. Amen? Amen. I love this next verse that follows, though. Do you know what follows 16? 17 follows 16. (laughs) But do you know what it says? This is a really powerful word. Jesus said, God didn't send me, the Son, into the world to condemn the world. Can we just say that God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him? If God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, then why do you and I? Why do you and I find ourselves condemning the world so much? I struggle with this. When I preach this message, my wife's sitting right there. And she's like going, you listen to yourself, would you? Would you actually receive this message, Pastor? Oh, my goodness, we struggle with this, don't we? Why do we expect the world to act like Christians? Why are we so upset with the vileness and the awfulness and the terribleness? Why do we get so upset with the government and everything else? Why why would we expect anything else? They're lost. 
They don't know Christ. They're not seeking Christ. They don't look to the Word. I heard a great word today from Kurt Cameron. I was listening to a, a, a podcast by him, and he said, he said, look at all the opportunity that God has given you and I to influence the world instead of judge it. To actually change culture by bringing the kingdom to earth through our sphere and our influence. Amen? You know what Jesus wants you to know that you're saved? He didn't want you to be guessing about it. He doesn't want you to be wondering about it. He wants you to know. How do I know? Because his word says so. And this is the testimony. This is the witness. This is the truth. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son, what? Has life. life. Do you have the Son? Then Then don't wonder about whether or not you have eternal life. Because you have it. He wants you to know that. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's as simple as that. Okay? Now here's a little point on this. Those who actually know they're saved tend to actually live like it. If you actually know you're saved, you actually value your salvation and you tend to live like you're saved. Okay, now here's the thing. I'm going to give you five promises. And I'm going to give you five challenges. Okay? I'm going to give you five challenges. How many of you have your phone? Your note-taking phone. Take, take out your phone and take a picture of each one of these challenges, would you? Because here's what I want to, I, I, here's the thing. I don't want you to just be hearers. I want you to actually take this. Pastor John wants you to actually take the word. He wants you to actually try to actually incorporate it, okay? So I'm going to give you a challenge for the f- next five ni- nights or days, anytime. I'm going to give you five things to do with somebody else, Okay? Here's the first one. The first challenge is share your salvation story as a family. If you're married and you have children or if you're single and you have children, I'm encouraging you to sit down and actually share your glory story, okay? Now, when I say this, I'm not wanting you to say, oh, you know, when I was 11 years old, I accepted Jesus in my heart. I became a Christian. That's it. No, share your journey. Share with each other. Take some time. Take 10 minutes. Take 15 minutes. My goodness, if you really just let your hair down, take 20 minutes each and share and make room, especially in families, for those who haven't yet made that commitment. Let them talk about where they're at on the way. Don't put pressure in that sense, okay? If you're single, why not get together as a group of singles? Why not get together as a group of young adults and actually say, hey, let's, let's, let's share. Let's share our journey, okay? Where are we at? And, and we're going to just recognize up front. We might not all be there yet, but where are you in the journey, okay? Challenge number one. Note that that's Sunday, tomorrow, since I, if, if we were meeting on Sunday, it'd be Monday, but you guys got the first day of the week. I like it. Wow. Number two, Jesus promises his peace. Anybody need peace today? <laughs> Anybody could use a little extra peace? Oh, my goodness, friends. 
He said, peace, I leave you. Woo! I'm going to take off, but I'm giving you peace. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Can anybody say amen to that? Who wants the world's peace? Huh? Oh, my goodness. Who wants the world's peace? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Hello. Can anybody receive that? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Would you look at the person next to you and say, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. And do not be afraid. Man, how, how many of us need this word? Lord, we just need to have this come into us right now. Why? We're living in a world that is so full of fear, it's ridiculous. We're living in a world that's got so many troubles, we can't see straight. We could just stop right now and focus on trouble for the rest of the night. We could identify all these crazy things that are going on. Oh, my goodness. Wow. AI has taken off. Boom! Exponentially, no way to control it. Okay? How many of you have heard of quantum computing? Have any of you heard of this? Okay. How many of you know that they're saying that, that once they actually perfect it, it's not perfected yet, but once they perfect it, whoever perfects it, and there's five, five groups right now that are working to perfect it, Whoever perfects it will control the world's economy. 60 Minutes, story on it just about three or four weeks ago. My goodness gracious. I mean, we could just go on thing after thing after thing that could rob our peace. But guess what? We're not looking to the world to give us peace. We're looking to Jesus because he alone can give us peace. We're not... We're not concerned, we're not scared, we're not frightened by all these crazy things that are out of control, the wars that are going on here and there, the economy that's going crazy, social realities that are ridiculous. No, we're going to just center ourselves in the peace of God because he's in control. Amen. Amen? He's in control of our lives. What's the opposite of peace? Anxiety, worry. Wow. Do you know what they're calling this generation? There's a, they're labeling this generation. The anxiety generation. Right? And it fits. It fits so many people. Man, I mean, goodness gracious, you don't even need to have all these scary worry things. All you got to do is try to keep up with everything that's going on, and that'll give you anxiety. You know, just try to be up on everything on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you know, good night. Just try to, you know, your five email address, your text messages. That alone will knock you right out. The opposite is anxiety, but here, here, is, here is the word on this. How are you and I going to have peace? There's only one way that you and I are going to have peace. And receive God's peace and that's to center ourselves in his truth. This is one of the first verses that I ever memorized. I was probably 17, 18 years old, and it has held me through my whole life. I want to tell you that this is a formula or a pattern or a template to keep you centered in God's peace. It works if you will work it, okay? Okay? Some people blow it off. Some people actually have, have bought into the idea that you can't really not have anxiety. 
you got to have some anxiety. And I tell you, to blow it off is to actually listen to the voice of the devil. You don't want to blow it off. This is actually eternal truth, and you'll, if you'll embrace it and do what, you, what it says. Now, here's the thing. I am not saying to you that you won't have anxious thoughts or anxious feelings. You and I can't stop anxious thoughts or feelings from coming at us. We can't stop it, okay? They're going to come. We hear reports of this or that or the other thing, and, and, and they're anxious-making. Something happens in the family, sickness, this, that, loss of job. Yes, those those things are real and they're going to happen, okay? One One of the practical pieces of wisdom that I got in Bible college was this. One of my professors says, you you can't keep a bird from landing in your hair. Think of that. What a thought. No, I guess you can't. When's the last time a bird landed on your head? I don't know, but it works here. This is the point. You can keep him from building a nest. Okay? You can't keep anxious thoughts from actually coming into your mind but you can keep them from building a home. You can keep them from building a stronghold. And this is how you do it, okay? Do not be anxious for anything. If it wasn't possible, God's word wouldn't say it. God wouldn't tell you to do something you're incapable of doing. Notice what he says, but in everything through prayer, everything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Okay, so here's the key, is that whatever you're struggling with anxious-wise, worry-wise, you meet it with thanksgiving. So you actually thank God for the anxiety. You name it. You actually say, God, I'm thanking you for this this threat on my health right now. I'm thanking you for it. Okay, it's very counterintuitive to our to our fleshly minds. Our fleshly mind thinks, hey, that's stupid. Why would I do that? I'm not thankful for that because you're taking control of the flesh and bringing it under the spirit and doing what God says. When you do that, God releases peace. Yes. Do you remember me telling you that once I was young, now I'm old? Listen, friends, I've found that when I actually do what this says, then what I experience is I experience the supernatural peace of God that, that actually, know what he says there, which transcends understanding, all understanding. So you and I try to figure it out. You and I try to use our brains because we're so smart today to try to work it out and figure it out and be in control, it isn't ever going to work. You're just going to get more anxious and more worried when you actually just submit yourself to the Word of God and follow Christ in this. Something that goes beyond how we can think it through happens, and all of a sudden you got peace. Can anybody say amen? Give glory to God. His Word is true, and it impacts our lives. But here's, here's a thought that I want to give you, okay? You'll never have peace unless you fight for it. 
This is the way you fight for it. Peace isn't easy. It's worth fighting for. Amen? And it'll guard your heart in Christ Jesus. I I love this thought from King David. Remember, this is a very common verse. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Test me, God. Here's this this man of God. He's saying, Lord, I want you to actually check me out. I want you to search me. I want you to test me. But what is he asking God to look for? Anxious thoughts. Now, I want you to see the connection between him asking God to reveal his anxious thoughts and what's the next phrase say? See if there is what? Any offensive way in me. What's the offensive way? Make the connection. The offensive way is allowing anxious thoughts in your heart. You're actually offending God. Because why are you offending God when you actually harbor worrisome, anxious thoughts in your heart? Because you're actually ending up worshiping them and not God. They're controlling you, right? That's what you're thinking about. That's what you got you. That's what your mind is set on, and it's not on God. They become offensive. And I think you and I have to recognize that this isn't just some little deal, you know, Naughty, naughty, I had an offense, I had an anxious thought. No, the issue is, is that the Lord's trying to help us see is that actually anxiousness and worry take his place. And they don't do you any good. So Monday's challenge. Here's the thing that I've found, friends, is that when I'm struggling with anxiousness, if I don't actually label what the anxious thoughts are, if I don't actually write them out and I just let them keep coming, they layer. And then all of a sudden, I don't even know what they're all about. It's like I've got so many, I've allowed so many anxious things to build up in me, I don't even know what I'm dealing with. I just feel like I'm a ball of anxiousness. And so I find that if we actually take the time to say, look, I'm anxious about school. I'm anxious about this friend of mine. I'm anxious about my health. I'm anxious about this bill. I'm anxious about work. I'm anxious about my neighbor, whatever it is, so that then we can actually deal with it one by one, giving thanks and working through it and asking God's peace over me. Okay, number three. Jesus, the third promise, Jesus promises... In 2024 is problems. Can anybody say amen? Come on. Yes, Lord. You know what? While salvation uh, might be the best promise, understanding this might be the most important. Why would I say that? So many times you and I get confused when problems come in our life. And instead of thinking that God's triumphant, we think he's failed us. And then we're singing that song and we're going, man, how is it he never fails when I've got so many problems? 
Jesus promises you you're going to have problems. Okay, now, now you're saying, well, you've said that a few times. Where does that actually say that in the Bible? In this world, you will have trouble. Okay? Jesus just said straight up, in this world, you're in this world, you're going to have problems. That's all there is to it. And you're going to have them in 2024. It's going to come. You know what? I, I've found quite literally that I'm either, there's a cycle. I, I'm either going into a problem, working through a problem, coming out of a problem, or going back into a problem. Now, sometimes it extends over time. It's like it can be a season to where, like, I'm not in a big problem for a long time, but it's coming, man. And I don't, you know what? I never go, oh, my goodness, where's the next problem going to be? Oh, God, I'm just waiting. Where is it at? I never do that. Most of the time, I'm just totally surprised why there's another problem. You know, it's like, where'd this come from? But it just does. And you know what? That just keeps us coming back. And the, this, this passage here really is the antidote to how to deal with your problems. I, this is such a great passage. Again, this passage I, I memorized early in my journey. I'm so glad I did. This initial phrase is so powerful. Consider it pure joy. Get fired up. Get excited, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. Again, that is so counterintuitive to the way natural minds think, right? It's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How many of you have read that verse and gone, that's so dumb. Why would I do that? Because it's the way to survive it. It's the way to actually keep your attitude from going in the dumps all the time because you actually, so here's the, so he gives the statement, but then he gives the rationale behind it. The reason you and I can count it pure joy is because you know, okay? So he's saying, here's the reason. Because you know that the testing of your faith works perseverance in your life. You and I would never know how to persevere and keep going if we didn't actually get tested, okay? And it is only perseverance that is going to help you grow up to become mature in your faith. And so that's why we come back to saying, hey, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Some of you got some really big problems you're dealing with. Some of you are in the midst of a test that's really working you right now. Some of you, it could be even at the place where this has really got you down. And you actually need to start shouting. Sometimes the best thing you can do is yell. I, I love the Bible talks about shouting, friends. Some, sometimes we just kind of go, thank you, God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah for this awful thing that's going on. Hey, get a little rowdy. Get a little rowdy before God. Thank him for the fact that he's at work in you. Thank him for the fact that he's actually pushing you to become all that you can become. He, he's not going to let you go. He's not going to let me go. He's going to bring us to the place that you and I look a whole lot more like Christ. Amen? Oh, man. Oh, man, glory. 
And here's the deal. If you're struggling, you don't go get what's going on, then you say, God, I don't know what to do here. I have no idea. I am clueless. This is what I love. What does the Bible say? God doesn't say, what's your problem? Like, what is your problem? How many times you got to ask me? Deal with it. God doesn't do that. What does it say? He says, anybody that asks me for wisdom in a situation, I'm going to give it to them. I'm not just going to give it to them. I'm going to give it to you liberally. How many of you have found yourself in a situation where you got, you're clueless how to handle it? It feels like you're going under and you say, Lord, I am lacking wisdom. I do not know what to do. How many of you actually had God give you insight that you never had? Friends, I've had this happen so many times I can't even, I I couldn't even count it to where I'm just totally clueless. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I think I'm going under. (laughs) Lord, what do I do? And you know what? It's not, most of the time, in fact, I don't know if I could ever tell you that I got the download just then. Like when I prayed, it, it isn't like all of a sudden I get this special revelation right that moment. Oftentimes, it's a day or two or a week later. I'm driving down the car. I'm walking somewhere. I'm doing something, and then boom, that's it. Where'd that come from? Well, remember when you prayed for wisdom? Wow, thank God. I, I just, th- this, this word came to me, Pastor, when I, was, when I was studying this, because I made this connection. Make every effort, he says, to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short. Note this, that you and I can fall short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Actually, there's supposed to be a a Y on that. (laughs) I'm not sure how that got cut off. Here's the thing, when you and I are dealing with problems and difficulties and challenges, if we don't actually learn how to thank him, glorify him, and praise him, we end up so many times becoming bitter. And our bitterness then pours out on those around us. And it defiles them and robs their faith. Here's Tuesday's challenge. You ready for Tuesday's challenge? Talk about trouble. Sit around the table after dinner. Talk about trouble. Just talk about it in a natural way. What are some of the things that we face as troubles just naturally in life? What are some of the things that we go through? And then kick into what's the trouble that you're facing right now? It's the biggest challenge that you're facing right now. What a great way to actually process and go deeper and then take it to the Lord together. Amen? Promise number four. Jesus promised his presence in 2024. Amen? Hey, he's with you. Man, I want to tell you, friends, this is the secret sauce. This is the secret sauce. Jesus is with you. He's not just with you when you come into the house. You know, this is the least place that it matters in some sense. I mean, hey, I'm around all these beautiful Christians who who love the Lord. If I don't sense his presence at that point, then something's wrong. But I need to know he's with me. And then when I'm out there on my own... (laughs) And I'm surrounded by sharks. 
And there are people who do not like me. I need to know he's with me then. Listen to what Jesus said. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples to all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is where the promise comes in. And surely I am with you always. Always. Everywhere to the end of the age. He not only doesn't fail, but he never leaves you alone. You've never been alone if you know him. Amen? Hey, listen. Here's here's another reaffirmation of that same truth. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Now, what is that saying? Because that almost like... Those seem to be two separate thoughts. Like, what does is, what is the love of money and contentment have to do with God saying never he would leave you? Because the fact is, if you realize he's always with you, you have the golden egg. Does that make sense? What do you want, the goose or the golden egg? <laughs> the goose, yeah, of course, the goose. <laughs> Who gives the eggs? If he's with you and he never leaves you, then you got everything you need. Can anybody, you hear what I'm saying? Listen, until you get to the place in your life that Jesus is enough, I don't know if you have found him to the degree that you need to know him. And the only way he can get you there is to actually test you. And sometimes he's going to take you and he's going to put you in a place where you feel like you almost feel like you have been God forsaken because you've got no friends. Nothing is going well. Everything seems to be against you. And the only thing you have to hold on to is that he's with you. I've been there. I remember one, one, one particular point. I've been there more than once, and I'll likely be there again. But I remember one particular point, lying in bed, looking towards heaven and saying, have you forsaken me? And thinking at that point in my life that for the first time I understood Jesus' prayer when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how he felt. And in that moment, because Jesus was actually taking the sins of the world, there was this incredible separation. But for me, it was a sense of, oh my goodness, I feel like God has actually left me. David said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up into the heavens, you are there. Well, of course that. But if I make my bed in the depths of the earth, Hades, Sheol, you're there also. David was saying, hey, there's nowhere I can go. There's nothing that I can do that you're not already there. But for you and I, he's there because he's in us. Amen? Okay, Wednesday's challenge. 
What can you do to experience his presence greater at work, at school, or at home? I'm not so concerned that you experience his presence here, although you should. I'm more concerned that you're experiencing his presence at work, at school, at home, in places where you're not with the brethren. Here's the fifth and final. Jesus promises to return in 2024. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not predicting that he's returning this year. But his promise is good for this year. Does that make sense? What I'm saying to you is that the promised return is imminent. And by that, what I'm saying is the promise that he made to come back could take place in 2024 at any time. The promise stands. Okay? Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My, father, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I, I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know, at uh, chapter 13, uh, actually, John chapter 12 to John chapter 19, you realize encompass one week of time. And in John chapter 12, the boys were all together. The disciples, the core team, the core leadership, his guys. And he's just predicted his death, and it freaked them all out. So Peter is asking, hey, what's going on? What's going on? He's showing some anxiety. And that's why Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then he tells them, hey, I'm going away. I'm actually preparing a place for you, but I'm coming back to get you. Okay? Promise of his return. Amen? Do you know one of the great things that happened in uh, 2023? One of, one of the, from my perspective, one of the greatest Christian movies came out of all time in 2023. March of 2023. Anybody remember what it was? The Jesus Revolution. Now you say, well, why would you say that's one of the greatest movies? Well, it actually spoke of a time in, in my lifetime uh, where Jesus actually, there was a revival in North America, the likes of which have virtually never happened before. And it happened in some of our lifetime. In fact, some of us were a part of it. And so back in, the, in this time, so we're talking about the early 70s, the late 60s, early 70s, I was a teenager. You weren't quite a teenager. No, because you're a little younger than me. I was a teenager. A lot. Yes, a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. A lot. That's why I'm Uncle Kevin. At least you didn't say Grandpa Kevin. He's the uncle. So in the 70s, we're, I'm a teenager, and they started coming out with these crazy movies. This is one of it. It's called A Thief in the Night. It scared us to death. 
I mean, literally scared us to death, followed up by a distant thunder, which was on the tribulation period, okay? So then this guy, this guy, and I'm going to see if I've got this. I'm hoping this is going to work. Does anybody remember what Larry, Larry's song? Okay, many, but let's see. I wish we'd all been ready. <laughs> Anyhow, so you have these songs about everybody getting killed. <laughs> but I wish we'd all been ready. <laughs> Fabulous stuff, okay? So here he is. 1974. Part of the hippie revolution. Now... Now, how do you know that this is a bona fide hippie? You see the beads? See the beads? I made those. Yeah. I've told you a little bit of my testimony before. You know that I had a 62 Volkswagen van. It looks something like this. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, I I I was happening. Yeah. Remember my wood bumper that I made in Woodshop? Coco? On the back, I was Coco. Quadraphonic 8-track, you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. No No idea. Okay. Yeah, Michael does. Michael does. Okay. There I am in 1975. Now, does that guy look like he's got it together or what? This guy look like he's going somewhere, huh? Man, does he not look like he's lost in a blue jay? Look at him. Wow. Note the hair's gotten bigger by 75. This is a saved version of Kevin Kavanaugh. I had just come to the Lord a year earlier, and it was in this very place that the Lord put his call on my life. After this meeting was over, I'd been at, it was a three-week thing. It's a long story even how I got there because I didn't want to go. But after uh, three weeks of being, for the first time ever, living in community, and it was young adults. Listen, I want to tell you the thing that, the thing that I, I, I feel like we miss way too much. Some of the greatest things God has ever done has been through young people. You, it, God's not waiting for you to grow up and get older so that he can use you. The faith that that was given in these places and the faith that these young people had ignited me. For the first time, I was around born-again Christians who were serious about Jesus. And their passion for Christ and His Word just ignited me. I got into my car. I was leaving this place. I got into my car, shut the door. And I just broke down and cried. I don't think I'd ever cried like that. I just bawled my head off. I didn't know what was going on. It's like, what on earth is happening? And the Holy Spirit was putting his call on my life. You just saw, you know, obviously somebody who looks like they're, you know, not headed anywhere fast. And then here, this is just this last fall. Speaking in Calgary, Alberta, 
This is actually a screen with me over the top of me. And it's like, oh my goodness, friends. Look at what God has done. And he's no respecter of persons. Has nothing to do with, oh, well, gee, obviously you're tall. You're smart. If you only knew how little Jesus has had to work with. I'm not kidding. (laughs) I'm really not kidding. The amazing thing is, friends, when anything added to Jesus can go nuts. How many times people have thought it was me when you're just seeing Jesus and the power of God? That time was about this. This was a hippie movement. I was trying to be a hippie. Now, these are some real serious hippies there. And the thing about these hippies is I was thinking about it, and as I'm winding down here, yeah, I am winding down, in case you're wondering, is he ever going to stop? I just love this picture because it, it really is a very genuine picture of what things were like and how the whole thing came about. The key thing about the hippie movement was they were they called themselves the anti-establishment. What did they mean by that? Well, there was an established way back in the 60s. Everybody dressed a certain way. You, you wore a suit, you wore a tie, you wore a white shirt, you wore black shoes. Women dressed a certain way, had to look a certain way, had to act a certain way. Had to... And not all of it was terrible, but there was some bad stuff to it in church as well. And that's what the Jesus Revolution movie shows is that when, these, when God started reaching these hippies, they didn't fit at all in the church. And the people just freaked out. Like, what are they doing in here? Like, you know, they're dirty and they smell and they're long hair and they do goofy things. Like, they don't belong here. What it, what it caused me to think about was the fact that this anti-establishment movement was if you're going to be this, that we're going to do this. And they didn't care. But then they got themselves in all kinds of trouble, blowing their minds in all kinds of ways. But when they started to come to Jesus, they brought some of that anti-establishment with them that we're not going to just go through the motions and and play the game and pretend like every, we're all good and, and we, we're just going to try to fit in. They blew that off. They didn't care. See, this was the big thing. They started evangelizing like nobody's business. They started talking to people about faith in Christ and talking about people about going to hell. The church wasn't doing that. And so what they were doing was really stirring things up. And that's why God used them. And it caused me to think, Pastor John, it caused me to think, have we become a little bit too established as the church? And we're so concerned about what people think and 
we're so concerned about, gee, we don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to tell anybody about hell. And we don't want to tell anybody that they're going to get judged if they don't receive Christ. Those hippies that came to Jesus, that's what they did. And that's why thousands and thousands and tens of thousands, millions, literally, got saved. Do you know what we're at right now? We're at the end of the hippie generation. What do I mean by that? Those that got saved, like me, are phasing out. We need a new hippie generation. We need a new revival. And it doesn't have to start in a big place. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. This last challenge was about being ready. And so it's the idea of you actually talking together about how ready you feel you are for Jesus to come back. How ready you're living right now. If you really knew that he was coming back next month or June or September, how would that impact you? What would it change about you? What would you do different? I'm sure all of us would do something a little different. But if you do a lot of things different, then you're not ready. And I don't say that to beat you up. I say it to you to actually help you be confronted with yourself. Because it's about you. It's about you. Some of you tonight are really, you, you know, I, I'm very conscious and conscious when I speak about anxiety because I know that our churches are filled with anxiety. And, and there could be some of you here. It's very likely that some of you may be on medication. And I don't want you to hear me to say that that's wrong or that's evil or something of that nature. And I don't want you to feel as though I'm condemning you in any fashion. What I'm wanting to pray for you is that you're going to find Jesus to be enough. And I'm praying that he's going to help you to, to move in him to even overcome the need for medication at some point in your life. I know it can happen. And I'm not wanting you to hear me to say to just throw your medication out. I'm not saying that. It's going to take you actually coming back to the Lord in a way of saying, Lord, I'm just wanting to follow you in a new way and I'm wanting to work through this to the point that you're showing me that I can get off this medication. I speak peace over you tonight. In Jesus' name. His peace, not my peace, I give to you. Receive it. 
Will you receive it? Will you say, I receive your peace, Lord Jesus? I receive it, Lord. Peace over your mind, peace over your heart, peace over your spirit, peace over your soul. For some of you that are struggling with a sense of his presence in your life, I pray that you're going to sense and know his presence in a deeper, fuller fashion. That you're going to actually practice his presence during the week. That's often done by you speaking to him regularly. Having a conversation with him as though you had someone in the car with you. Just like you would if someone was. But there is someone there. Receive it. Receive it. His presence, his peace. Some of you need to surrender your problems to him tonight. Some of you need to just say, yes, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. You just need to name it. Thank you for this problem. Thank you for that problem. Thank you for this trouble. Thank you for this difficulty, God. You're changing me. You're growing me. You're making me what you want me to be. I'm going to find you to be enough in my life. It might be true that there's some in here tonight that have been faking salvation. Now here again, when I say that, I don't say that to scold you. I told you that I did it. (laughs) I say that to encourage you to come forth. I say that to encourage you to come clean. I say that to admit it to yourself. It starts there. Admit it to yourself. There might be someone here tonight who's never received Christ. And you're hearing and you're understanding that he so loved you that he gave his only begotten son who died for you, who shed his blood, that you might actually be forgiven of sin. And you know what? It would thrill every one of us. But most of all, it would thrill the heart of God if you would yield yourself to Christ tonight. And so I want to invite you to just pray a prayer with me right where you're sitting, just in, the, in your inner heart. You don't even have to speak it out. to Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Make me your child. The best I know how. This is all you can do. The best I know how, I give myself to you. That's all you can do is the best you can do. (laughs) He hears you. He's hearing you right now. And if you're praying with me, would you raise your hand? Would you just raise it up? Yeah, yeah. Just raise it up, yeah. Receiving you, Lord. Yeah. Oh, Father, thank you, God. We bless your name. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that we're alive in 2024. We're going to live to the glory of God this year. Amen? We want to be more for you this year, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. There you go, Pastor.